Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. At a comparative religions conference, the wise and scholarly were in a spirited debate about what is unique about Christianity. Someone suggested that what set Christianity apart from other religions was the concept of incarnation, the idea that God took human form in Jesus. But someone quickly said, well, actually, other faiths believe that God appears in human form. Another suggestion was offered that maybe perhaps it's all about the resurrection that separates Christianity. Uh, the belief that death is not, fine, is not the final word, that the tomb was found empty. Someone slowly shook his head. Mm-mm. Other religions have accounts of people returning from the dead, supposedly. Then as the story is told, C.S. Lewis, an incredible scholar, Uh, walked into the room wearing a tweed jacket, his arms full of papers. Uh, He was there just a little early for his presentation. He sat down and took into the conversation, which uh, had by now evolved into a fierce debate. Finally, during a lull, he spoke saying, what's all of this rumpus about? Everyone turned in his direction trying to explain themselves, they said, we're debating what's unique about Christianity. C.S. Lewis says, oh, (laughs) that's easy. It's grace. The room fell silent. Lewis continued and said that Christianity uniquely claims God's love comes free of charge, no strings attached. No other religion makes such a claim. Often, after a moment, someone commented that Lewis had a point. You see, Buddhists, for example, they follow an eightfold path to enlightenment. It's not a free ride. And Hindus believe in what we call karma, that your actions continually affect the way the world will treat you and that there is nothing that comes to you not set in motion by your actions. Someone else observed that the Jewish have a code of law. Someone else observed that, 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 in other words, Jewish have a code of law that implies God has requirements for people to be acceptable to him. And, and then there's Islam. Islam says that God is a God of judgment, not a God of love. At the end of the discussion, everyone concluded Lewis had a point. Only Christianity dares to proclaim God's love is unconditional and unconditional love that you and I call grace. And over these next four weeks, my brothers and sisters, I am going to attempt to explain to you what grace is in this series that we entitle Unstoppable Love. 
Unstoppable love is indeed what grace is all about. God's unstoppable love. I tell you this, you don't want to miss a single week of this series. We got some fun stuff happening. Uh, I'm going to attempt in these first two weeks to just share God's unstoppable love for all of us, but then explain how his unstoppable love for us requires us to present and offer unstoppable love to all of humanity. So for the first two weeks, that's what we're going to talk about. But then after that, I'm telling you, invite everybody because the last two weeks, we're going to have panel discussions. Uh, We will have uh, two, two. One service, too. Thank you for that. So the last two weeks, we'll only have 11 o'clock service. Okay. We won't have um, our nine o'clock service, but the last two weeks, we will have panel discussions. One week, we're going to talk to the single folk. And I think on that Sunday, I'm going to wear a referee shirt because it's going to get heated up on this stage. I already sense it. Looking at those who've agreed to be panelists, it's going to be interesting to say the least so I don't want you to miss that one then the following week uh, in our tradition of this house my wife and I will uh, be on the stage and we will kind of moderate conversations between our married folk and we'll even have a divorced person on the panel and we're going to talk about that here's what I'm asking you all to do submit your questions in advance no questions uh, are off the table everything questions about sexuality questions about uh, sex and marriage and outside of marriage, shacking. We're going to answer all of your questions on these panel discussions. And so I know that it's going to be a little bit crazy. It's going to be fun. We're going to even allow you to text in your questions. Uh, so just stay tuned for that number and how you'll be able to, to do that. Amen. So you don't want to miss a single week. I would say if you want to invite somebody to church, the last two weeks of this service, of this series, is the best time. Because we're going in. We're not holding back. But I will say this. Everything that that my wife and I share will not be just from our personal experience. It's going to be 100% what the Bible says. Okay, we only going to preach the Bible in this church as we always do. And that's the way that we've seen 15 years of marriage from the Bible. Not because I'm that smart, not because I'm that great of a husband. I'm far from it. My wife will agree to that, I'm sure. Don't say amen, honey. Don't just keep your amen to yourself right now. I already know I'm flawed. <laughs> and so it's going to be a good time. You don't want to miss a single Sunday. Welcome to our online community. Thank you for joining. They're not on yet. Okay. Just give me a thumbs up so I can welcome them. So we talk about this grace, which is this, this wonderful love that God extends to us. And, and this grace and this, this particular kind of love is what we call agape love. And I know many of you have heard the word agape. You've seen it places. You've seen people uh, wear it with necklaces and all of this stuff. But this agape love, uh, uh, we'll talk about what that is. And I'm going to explain to you what agape love is. But let me extend to our online community a hearty welcome. Thank you for joining us live, Facebook. We're so glad that you're with us. We understand that you could be anywhere else. But the fact that you logged on with us means the world to us as we are talking about God's unstoppable love. And we're talking about agape. Agape love uh, is simply this. It's, 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 it's plain and simple. It's affection. It's brotherly love. It's goodwill, benevolence. Here's the best definition I find in the Greek. Ready? It's a feast of love. I love that definition uh, of this word agape. It's a feast of love, meaning it's a table that's just prepared with love. It's a feast of 
of love. And that's what agape is. That's the kind of love that God does for us. It's the same kind of love that prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. It's the same kind of love that says with my word, if you eat on it, it is the bread of life. You will never go hungry. That's what agape love is. It's agape love. It comes only from God. None of us have the capacity to possess it or share it. It comes directly from God. That's agape love. Some will say it's a charitable kind of love. In other words, it's given freely. There's nothing you could do to get it. You can't go and take your Kroger card and get a discount on it. No, only God can give it. It's a charitable kind of love that's given freely. It's also, according to Bible understanding, it's the highest level of love. It's the highest level of love. That's what agape is. The highest level of love. And the love that's so powerful as agape can only come from heaven. That kind of love, the highest level of love is agape love. And it only comes from heaven. If you read in the New Testament, this word agape is found 106 times in the New Testament. This word agape is found 106 times in the New Testament. I'm just going to share just a couple of scriptures with you right now so you can see uh, where this agape falls in place. Uh, If you meet me over in 1 John chapter 4, uh, verses 7 through 9, 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 9, watch this. It says, dear friends, let us continue to love one another. That word love right there is agape. Let us continue to love one another for love, agape, comes from God. Put your finger there. I'm setting you up right now to tell you exactly where agape comes from. It doesn't come from us. It doesn't come from how well we do here on this earth. It doesn't come by our action. It comes from God. Let me continue. Anyone who loves agape is a child of God and knows God. Okay, so if you love like God loves, you are a child of God and you know God. Okay, but anyone who does not love agape does not know God for God is agape. He is love. That's the kind of love we're talking. God is this agape love. Okay, verse nine. God showed how much he loved us agape used by sending his one and only son into the world that we might have eternal life through him. Pause for a moment. So right now what John, the disciple that Jesus loved, according to John's own words, is telling us is this, that this kind of love is sacrificial. <laughs> and 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 this kind of sacrificial love only comes from the one who made the sacrifice which is God. So it's difficult for us in our humanity to even extend this kind of love apart from God. The highest level of love that you and I could extend to anyone in humanity including our spouse is either a filio which is brotherly love Or eros, which is love that you have with someone you're intimate with, like a spouse. Okay, And then there's storage love, which is what we have with our family members. That's the highest level we can achieve without God being central. Okay, I'm going to break all of this down in a minute. I'm going to help you out in a minute. Let's continue. Verse 10. This is real love, agape. Not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Powerful. Let's go down to verse 16. Skip down a couple. Let's go down to 16. 
Once again, he reminds us, God is agape. He is love. And all who live in love, agape, live in God, and God lives in them. What John is simply trying to say is the highest level of love is only achieved through the one who gave it first, and that is God. That The Bible even tells us that while we were even yet sinners, he still loved us. That is agape. Some of us, let's be honest, we require certain things from certain people before they can get close to us. Why? Because we don't operate in agape. Right. We 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 you know, you got to look a certain way. You got to believe a certain way. You got to act a certain way before I can let you into my into my circle. And the reason why we do that is because we are human. We don't have that capacity to extend agape apart from God. Only God has that power to do that. This is what agape is. So now you if you see it, you got to know that's the highest level of love only achievable with God, not apart from God. And if you went at trying to achieve agape on your own, the highest level you could reach would either be eros, which is intimate love. Okay, that's where we get the word erotic from. So that's why it's connected with uh, when you read about the love in the Old Testament in the Song of Songs, the Song of Solomon. That was all about eros love, erotic love, love between uh, someone that you're attracted to. Then there's also filio, filio love, which is brotherly love, meaning somebody who is like a brother. It's the same It's somebody who's like a relative. That's what brotherly love is. That's filios. Then there's storage. Storage is the love that you give to just anybody, that regular kind of love. But agape is only only achievable with God only achievable with God and agape love is unstoppable love and you'll if you just sit with me for a while I'm gonna get us to the point where you'll see what I mean by that to understand love you have to understand the characteristics of love now I've done a many 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 weddings I love weddings. I, I, it's one of my favorite things to do. I love weddings. Next to baptisms and baby dedications, I love weddings. To see two newlyweds come together, oh, so madly in love, and they looking into each other's eyes, and they're making a commitment before God and people that they want to spend the rest of their lives together. Oh, it's such a wonderful thing. And in most weddings, I won't lie, they always want me to read, like in their New Testament reading, they always want me to read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The scripture on love. But do you realize that that love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 has nothing to do with Eros love? It has no. Thank you. The baby gets it. Glory to God. Huh? It has nothing to do with Eros love. That thing is distracting me. I'm sorry. It has everything to do with agape love, which does not come between from man. And it only happens through God. So everything that we talk about, so all the weddings that I do, and they talk about, hey, 1 Corinthians, and I get it because it has these wonderful uh, characteristics of what love is, but those characteristics are also representative of the character of God. Watch this. Let me read the characteristics first. Check this out. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. Check this out. Watch this. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It does not. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love, love never faith, uh, loses faith. It always is hopeful and endures through every circumstance. 
Oh, isn't that so beautiful to, to read or quote to a, a newlywed couple that is uh, standing before God and God's people saying, hey, we want to spend the rest of our life. That is so, those are some great characteristics to have in your marriage, right? But the truth is, it has nothing to do with that. These words are agape, meaning they come from God. So let me show you, because remember, these, are, these, these words here, they're characteristics of love, but they represent the character of God. Well, what do you mean, Pastor B? Let's transpose these and let's put God in place because God is agape. God is love. So let's put God there. Watch this. I'm going to read it again. God is patient and kind. God is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. He does not demand his own way. He is not irritable and he keeps no record of being wronged. He does not rejoice about injustice, but he rejoices whenever the truth wins out. God never gives up God never loses faith God is always hopeful and God endures through every circumstance if God is love the characteristics that define love in this passage are really the character of the God that we serve And this is why his love is so unstoppable. And I promise you, when I got to that part, as I was reading this and transposing this and preparing this message, and I began to read this out loud to myself, and I got to the part that God never gives up, and God never loses faith, and God is always hopeful, and God endures through every circumstance, I began to weep uncontrollably because had God given up on me, where would I be? Had God's love not been faithful and enduring every day, where would I be? Had his mercies not been new every day, where would I be? Let me fix that. Where would you be? Oh, I love these beautiful characteristics of love. But I'm more madly in love with the character of God found in this passage because if you go back and do your own exegetical study, which simply means you're taking the the words of this, breaking them down to their original context, which is in the Greek in this part, and seeing what they mean. Every time the word love is written here, it says agape, meaning that it's only of God. So what this scripture is really saying has nothing to do with the characteristics of love. It has everything to do with the character of God. And God is not through with you yet God's love is unstoppable so let me break that down to you if you're taking notes I got some notes I want to give you and then we're going to take communion and then we're going to fellowship and eat some wings and things the first thing you got to understand about the character of God is that he is patient and he is kind he is patient and he is kind you got to understand that he is a patient God and he is kind God waits for you believe it or not he waits for you how do I know that he is patient and he is kind well the Bible tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whomsoever believes in him shall have life and have it forever and not perish okay so watch this if he is so patient and kind he gave his son before you became a believer He loved you before you chose to love him. He loved you not even knowing if you would choose him. He loved you hoping that you would make a good choice in him. He gave you liberty to choose, hoping that you in the end you would choose him. He loved you so much, he says, that even on your deathbed with your last breath if you just confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that my son came died for you rose three days later for you on your last breath if you believe it I will still give you the keys to heaven 
That's how much he loves us. He is patient. He will wait till you got your last breath and still say, it's good. Come on in. You, you got it. It's all right. I know it took you your entire life. It took you up until this moment of transition before you accepted me. But I've been patiently waiting for this moment. And I'm celebrating. Hallelujah. I'm celebrating you. I'm giving you my best. Even in this last moment before you transition. Because I want you. I want you. And he's so kind. How kind is he? Well, he doesn't give us what we deserve. Well, open that up, Pastor B. Because of how we've sinned against him, we deserve death. But he said, I'm going to exchange death and give you grace. That's how kind he is. He's so kind. He says, every morning, my mercies are new for you. Every morning, every day you wake up, guess what? I've given you a fresh batch of my mercies every day. And my love for you is faithful. (laughs) My love for you is faithful. In other words, you can rely on it. You don't have to rely on anything else. You don't have to rely on what the pastor say. You don't have to rely on what the song says. Listen, my faithful love, it's faithful, meaning I am not going to turn it back void. If I gave it to you, it's yours to keep. You can rely on it. It's a faithful love. That's how, watch this, patient and kind he is. He waits for us and still gives us grace and mercy every day in the event that someday we choose him. He says, while you were yet sinners... While you were still sinning, guess what? I was loving you. I was waiting for you. While you were yet sinners, while you were still turning away from me, while you were still missing the mark, I was loving you. Number two, God is not jealous or envious. And I already see the eyebrows going up. But hold on, I thought we serve a jealous God. No, the Old Testament says we serve a jealous God, but we're New Testament Christians. We're not Old Testament Jews. And God is not jealous. How do I know this? Watch this. Because there were people even in the Old Testament that turned away from God. There were people even in the Old Testament that worshipped idol gods. That were, they were pagan worshipers. But God said, I still love them. At any point they decide to believe, guess what? Come on in. You can still hang. You can still hang. God will use your enemy as your footstool. You can still hang. God is not jealous or envious. That's not the God we serve. Well, how do I know that? Well, he sent his son here on earth. And when his son came here on earth and started his public ministry, he immediately went to the temple and found all the Pharisees he could find to hang out with him. Come on. Where my Bible readers at? Y'all know that ain't true. Y'all know doggone well that's not true. Jesus came on this earth. <laughs> he said, where the tax collector at that's worse than a sinner? Yeah, you good. Come hang out with me. And fishermen, let me teach you how to put that pole down and stop fishing for fish. I'm going to teach you how to fish for men. Come on and hang out with me. Uh, who else? Oh, man, you got some issues too. You, 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 you come hang out with me. And, and, then, and then not only that, when I, when I go places, I'm going to the Samaritans because they allegedly don't know God. But I'm going to show them that God is available to you too. Jesus came and went after people that other people, the Jewish people, religious people, ignored. This is how I know he's not jealous. Because if he was jealous, guess what? He would have ignored them away them out but he said no I want to extend myself to you I'm not jealous of them I'm better than them but you don't know that yet so I'm patiently waiting on you God is not envious or jealous don't believe what the Old Testament says God is not a jealous God he loves you and he puts himself before you do you know what know how I know God wasn't jealous or an envious God because it was envy that killed his son it was envy the sin of envy that caused the crucifixion 
of Christ. That is not of God. That is not in God's nature, nor in his character. Number three, God is not rude. I had to research this word because I thought when I was reading it and preparing this message, I said that word is a little bit out of context. Let me understand it. So I exegeted it down to its original word. And the Greek expression rude here literally suggests the notion of being without form. Okay, Uh, it encompasses all sorts of evil activity, uh, all bad manners and brutal rudeness. Love doesn't deliberately seek to be offensive. So in other words, when I say God is not rude, God is not offensive. But check this out. He's not either easily offended either. Uh, God is not rude. God is not uh, mad at you. You know, God is not mad at you when you fall short of him. No, he's madly in love with you. That's why he extends his love. Uh, God is not upset with how you live. Listen, God is patiently waiting. He is not rude. He is no parts of evil. Now, he created the evil one, but he is the author of all things good. He created the evil one, kicked him out of heaven, right? But he says, okay, I'm going to take everything you do and redeem it. So whatever you can do, you know, the devil has no authority to kill you on this earth. But he can get in your mind and make you kill yourself. And I'm talking about kill your dreams, kill your passion, kill your belief system. But God says, I could even take that and use that for good. If you just let me, I am not rude. That is not part of my character to be rude. I am a loving God. There's no evil within me. There's nothing evil about me. Everything about me is good, righteous, pure, and wonderful. All you have to do is understand my character from these characteristics of agape. Number four, God is not easily offended. And the church has messed this up so bad. We, we've messed this up so bad. Every time somebody comes in, we're judging them. Oh, you know, you, you know, this is what the church has told people. If you act right, you do right, you get in the glory. That's the law. That's Old Testament. The gospel says if you just love, it's unconditional. It's nothing special you have to do except for believe. Right. And we messed that up. Here it is. We set all of these rules and stuff uh, and all of these things and saying, if you offend God, oh, my God, you, you, you know, God is not going to forgive you. That's not true. God is like, listen, check this out. Let me tell you something that that the church ain't telling you. I knew you was going to mess up. (laughs) I knew that you were going to be flawed. (laughs) I knew that you were going to miss the mark. I knew it so well that I gave you something to jump back from. I knew you were going to mess up, so I said, you know what, I'm going to exchange your punishment for grace. So that when you do mess up, just know that if you confess with your mouth (laughs) and you ask for my forgiveness, I'll redeem you, cleanse you, make you white as snow, and then that's what I'm giving you called grace. I've extended grace knowing you were going to mess up. To not extend grace would make God a hypocrite, right? I can't say, watch this, I can't say that God is patient, kind, not jealous or envious, not rude, And then say, but he does get offended. That contradicts that former statement. Am I right about it? To say that God is not jealous, but then say, uh, 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 but he gets easily offended is to say he's not kind. It would be a ridiculously gross, gross misrepresentation of who God is. And that's not who God is. That's not his character. He is not easily offended. God doesn't look at you and, and say, point out your sin. You get to, you know what? I, I, I know you want to believe in me, but you know, you, you, you sinned the other day. You know, you, 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 you stole something from somebody. 
No, God says, listen, I love you. I'm, I don't care what you did. I, I love you right now. I, I, I love you right now. I don't care what you've done in the past. I love you right now. He's not easily offended. Well, look at the story that Jesus told in his wonderful parable about the prodigal son. <laughs> God is really willing to welcome us regardless of our past. So, so Jesus tells a story about the prodigal son. One of my favorite parables in the entire Bible, this prodigal son who just was so envious, not so envious, but so, so eager to go out there and just splurge, ask for his inheritance early. He goes out there, he parties, he's making it rain with his inheritance. I mean, he's having a good time, right? He's really having a good time. Finally, he broke as a joke. He got nowhere to sleep. The brother got to sleep with the pigs and eat their food. The pigs mad at him. The world mad at him. The people who ain't who he ain't tipped while he was blowing his money mad at him. But you know who's not mad at him? His father. Bible says that after he spent all of his money, he came up with a plan to go back home. And I imagine this boy sitting there like, you know, what? this is what I'm going to tell my dad. See, dad, what had happened was and right Bible says that the father saw the boy from a distance. He said, wait a minute, hold on, hold on. Everybody stop what you're doing immediately. Is that my baby on his way home? He sees the son coming and immediately says, prepare the fatted calf, the one that is healthiest, the one that we reserve and preserve for special moments like this. Prepare the fatted calf and then bring me my best robe. And the Bible says that the father didn't just stand there and watch his son coming. The Bible records in this wonderful parable that the father went out to meet his son. Why? Because he was not even offended. You know what happens? What happens oftentimes when we, when we try to let people back in our life, we're at, we want to hear, well, why, why did you leave in the first place? Who told you to do? Why did you do that? Why did you offend me? You no, know, God is like, I don't care about that. Before the son could even open his mouth and offer an excuse, the father said, here, son, take my robe. I love you. I don't, I don't need to hear about where you've been. Let's go ahead and eat. I got a meal prepared for you. I have a feast of love prepared for you. You know why I did that? Because God is not easily offended. We are easily offended in our human nature. We don't want to easily forgive people. Some of us are mad with people from the third grade still. If you see him today, mm-mm, mm-mm. nope, I ain't got nothing to say to that person. Because we're easily offended. What if God treated us the same way? You denied me. You left me. You didn't love me. You didn't extend love. What if God treated us the way we treat people? Some of us still mad with people from years ago. About, and you, and guess, here's the craziest part. Y'all don't even remember why you were really mad in the first place. Because he stole your Hot Wheel car? Because she ripped off your Barbie doll's head? I mean, Seriously. I'm going to go deep because she stole your man or he stole your girl. They wasn't no good in the first place if they were worth stealing. If they could be stolen that easily, were they worth anything? No. It can't no such thing as a stealing when like somebody you were with goes with somebody else. No, they didn't steal them. They just, I'm going to leave it alone. <laughs> They're loose. Number five. God rejoices when truth wins. God rejoices when truth wins. Do you know what the truth is? Is that you are saved by grace and grace alone. Truth is the gospel. And the gospel is saturated with agape, which is love. The Bible is saturated with the gospel, with love. But what has happened is the church, we're still preaching the law. 
And God says, we're outside of the law. We're in love. We're in grace now. And what has happened is too many people have turned away from the church because we're not preaching the gospel. We're preaching the law. We're preaching judgment. And we're not preaching that God loves you. I don't, he doesn't care about your condition. He cares about the condition of your heart. And the fact that you came to church says that your heart is jacked up. I will say it like this. Well, people don't go to the hospital. Sick people go to the hospital. And the same thing about church. Healed people don't come to the church. Broken people come to church. They come to church because they realize that I need a God is the, who's my only fixer. But we're constantly pointing fingers. We're casting judgment. We're casting judgment constantly. And, and I don't, and, and ooh, I was so mad that the news even made this a story about this knucklehead. I hope you look, listen on here. Y'all can share this if you want. This knucklehead up in Gwinnett County condemning everybody. Homosexuals should be burned. No, brother, you should be burned. Because if I know my Jesus, Jesus wouldn't turn away from them. His brother, y'all seen it on the news from up in Gwinnett County? Oh, my goodness. I said, man, don't you dare say in Jesus' name in your life, bro, because that is not the same Jesus that I worship. That is not the Jesus I read about in the Bible. I don't read about a Jesus in the Bible that will condemn a woman for making a decision with her body and he not extend grace. I believe that, I, you know, I, I believe that God loves all of us. That's what agape is. Agape looks beyond that. What did I say? Agape doesn't look at your past. It looks beyond your past. And that's what God does. Look beyond our past. That's what the gospel is saturated with. Looking beyond our past. Because if our past was a reason, was a prerequisite for us to get into heaven, none of us would get there. None of us. Being perfect is not a prerequisite to receive agape love. Matter of fact, if you are imperfect, you are the perfect candidate for agape. And the more imperfect you are, the better the candidate you become. God is not a God of judgment. He's not look, he looks at the murderer and the adulterer in the same light. We are all sinners. I'm a sinner, but my sin may not be your sin. But we're all sinners saved by grace, saved by agape, which is unstoppable love. And here's the part I love. Agape, God never gives up. He never gives up. He never gives up. He patiently waits and he never gives up. Can I show you how this plays out in the scripture? Can I show you how this plays out in the scripture? Check this out. Romans chapter 8, 35 to 39. Check this out. Paul is talking to the church in Rome. He says this, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened by death? Then he goes old school scripture on him. He says, as the scriptures say, for your sake, we are all killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all of these things, despite all the persecution we face in this world, despite all of these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ. Not through our own works, through Christ who loved us. Continue in verse 38. And Paul says, and I am convinced, and then Pastor B says the same thing. I'm also convinced with you, Paul, that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death 
nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Catch the fact that worries and fears are two different things. Check it out now. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's agape. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Don't miss what he said. No matter how good you are, how bad you are, nothing could separate God from loving you. It is relentless, unstoppable, unconquerable love for each and every one of us that's so powerful it literally makes me so emotional that God would love a wretch like me to give that kind of love as jacked up as I am as long as I've denied him for as long as I denied him before I accepted him he would still have the audacity to love a fool like me that's powerful Because I love my wife and she loves me too, but she can't love me like Jesus loves me. She could never give me agape because it only comes from God. I could never give her agape because it only comes from God, but I can feel every part of her eros love with every part of my eros love, erotic love that I have within me. Only God can do that. Let me show you how God's love never gives up, how it's so relentless. Just listen to this. Y'all remember the brother by the name of Peter in the Bible, right? Let me show you how God's love is so relentless. One day, he starts his public ministry, Jesus Christ. And he's walking along and he encounters Peter. And Peter is out there doing his thing. He's catching not just fish. He's catching like big fish. He is the man when it comes to fishing. Jesus says, check this out, bro. Throw it on your net. Leave that and come follow me. And Peter was like, cool. That sounds cool. I like your hair. I like the way you dress. You seem like good people. Let's hang. So Peter hangs out with Jesus. So they're going along in this ministry. Peter watches Jesus perform on miracles. Peter falls madly in love with Jesus as a son to Jesus right as a follower of Jesus right and so when they come to arrest Jesus right Peter grabs his knife is like "Uh uh-uh y'all ain't gonna touch my bro Uh uh-uh give me that ear okay that's your ear for now your life is next if you touch my Jesus that's what Peter did Peter was a thug he was tough he was maybe he wasn't a thug okay that's a stretch all right but he was no joke that's how much he loved his Jesus I'm gonna put my life on the line for Jesus Right. Jesus tells him, like, you know, they're having a meal and Jesus is like, yo, Peter, man, I know how much you love me, man. And, and you get to hang out with me when I pray you and two other people, because that's how much I love you. But check this out, man. I got news for you, Peter, because I can see what's forecoming. I can see what's been foretold. I know a scripture says, but I'm also a prophet to tell you, Peter, as much as I love you and as much as I know you love me, you are going to deny me. Not once, Peter, not twice, Peter, but you will deny me three times. Peter like don't don't even say that dude I, I like I love you I mean you I love you don't what, what you you mean that other Peter not me and Jesus like no you you're gonna betray me the one who I said I'm gonna build my church on you're gonna betray me betray me not once not twice but three times before the cock crows what happens Jesus is there getting ready to be crucified and in the crowd Peter's following him along and in the crowd somebody says yo 
ain't homie the dude that used to roll with homie that's hanging up here? And Peter's like, nah, bruh, that's somebody that look like me. Nah, 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 nah. Somebody else says, nah, nah, nah. You that dude, I know that's you. Are you from Galilee? No, that, nope, that ain't me. That's, see, you talking about the Jenkin Galatians. I'm a Jackson Galatian. You got the wrong, the wrong one. We kind of look alike, but I'm not from them. <laughs> so then the lady says, no, you are definitely here, him, because I know you got that accent. And Peter like, no, I got an accent because I was on vacation over there, but I'm not even one of them. Cock-a-doodle-doo. The cock crows. And three times Peter had denied Christ and he runs away in shame because the prophecy was fulfilled. But God is so relentless. Jesus is so relentless. What happens? He's crucified. The tomb is empty. Peter's one of the first ones to see. Oh, my goodness. He has risen. I can't believe he has risen. Peter goes and sees that Jesus has risen. He's he's, he's, he's defeated death. He's out of the tomb. What happens next? Jesus begins to hang out with the disciples. Jesus like he's just making random encounters like, yo, what's up, bro? How you doing? Where y'all going? Let me walk with you. Jesus, like you, you're back from the dead. Yo, I'm here. Yeah, I'm here. Wow, I can't believe it. He hangs out with Peter and him. Not once, not twice. Three times he hangs out with them. They're having a meeting in the house talking about, yo, am I imagining this? But did Jesus come visit you? Yo, he come visited me too. He visited me too. So they're having a meeting. Jesus walks through the door and is like, yeah, I I did visit y'all. That was me. Oh my goodness. He walked through the door. Jesus is here. Thomas is like, "Uh uh-uh, I don't believe it. Let me touch your hands. No, he said, let me see your hands. Jesus is like, look, see my hands? He's like, Jesus is like, you still ain't going to believe it, doubting Thomas, so go ahead and touch my wounds. So he lets Thomas touch the wounds to see that, yes, it is indeed Jesus. So Jesus is like, yo, I'm here. Peter, I told you I'm going to build a church on you, but you're sitting around, ain't doing what I told you to do. What are you doing? Get out there and build this church. But Peter still didn't get it. So Peter's like, you know what? This is, this is too much. This is too deep. I'm all in my feelings. I'm going fishing. He was a great fisherman, according to the Bible. He gets in his boat. He goes fishing. He casts his net. And guess what? Nothing. The brother can't even catch seaweed. Can't catch nothing. Finally, somebody yells from the beach. Yo, toss your net on the right side. You got it on the wrong. Toss it on the right side. Peter like, who? Who that? Oh, Jesus, that's you. It's Jesus. So he cast his net on the right side. And the Bible says there was so much fish, it almost broke the net. He brings it in and Jesus said, yo, bring some of that fish. I want to cook breakfast for you. Still pursuing him, relentless, because he said, upon you, Peter, I'm going to build the church. And I love you so much. You denied me. You turned your back away from me. You didn't do what I asked you to do. But because I love you, I'm still pursuing you relentlessly. So he gave him the fish. He made them breakfast. And they get there and they're having a conversation at breakfast. And Jesus said, okay, Peter, you're not getting it. So here's what I need you to do. Because you're not going to get it until this happens. I've got to really leave. I've got to depart from this earth for you to get it. Here's what I want you to do. I want you and all 120 of y'all to go back to where you were at. Go back to Jerusalem. Find a place. Stay there. I'm going to send an advocate. And when I send the advocate, then you may leave. But do not leave that place until the advocate comes for you. So that goes back after four times of denying Christ, after four times of still not believing, after going back to what he used to do, God still loves them. They're in the upper room and the Holy Spirit comes. And all of a sudden, because God's relentless love pursued him, he comes out and the church is born. Hey! That's
That's how relentless God is for you. You can turn away from him. You can deny him. You can take forever to get it, but he's still chasing after you until he gets the best out of you. He's going to get out of you what he said he needs to get out of you. His love is unstoppable. His love is relentless. It doesn't give up because you gave up. He still pursues you. And because of that relentless love, that unstoppable love, you and I sit in this room, this place, this hallowed ground, worshiping a God who doesn't give up on us. He says that the same way that I pursued Peter until I got out of him what I needed to get out of him is the same way I'll pursue you today till I get what I need to get out of you. Oh, I love you. I know what you said about me. I know your unbelief in me. I know how you turned away from me. But guess what, baby? My love is unstoppable. And there ain't nothing you can do about it. Let the church say amen. Amen, amen. Amen, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you for your relentless and unstoppable love, God. Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others, our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.